Jakobsen again, lovely ball onto the onrushing Hannah Glass towards the side of the penalty area. The deep cross, Hurtig 3 0. Lena Hurtig with the header, and Sweden are taking Team USA apart here in Tokyo. Y'all, some bad things happened. <laughs> we we gonna get into it. Welcome it's to quite the morning. Uh, <laughs> welcome to uh, uh, match day one Olympic recap. It's Diaspora United here. I am Andre. I am with Courtney. I want to get to the results real quick. Run through it. Shout out some players, and then we gonna focus on that. Y'all know what that is. First of all, uh, Great Britain beat beat Chile two uh, 0 Brazil shocking result. Uh, 5-0 over China. Ran Shout out riot. to Dabinia. Oh, yeah, went crazy. Shout out to Dabinia and Marta. Andressa scored. I think Beatrice scored, too. Really, so, a whole squad. <laughs> a whole squad just balled out on China. Um, Japan and Canada tied 1-1. Uh, check out Japan's equalizer. Uh, Mana Iwabuchi had an awesome goal. She took that so early and beat uh, Kaylin Sheridan, who got in for Steph LeBay after an injury. Uh, we also had Netherlands scored 10 on Zambia. But the story... Obviously, for us, it's going to be Zambia because Barbara Banda got a hat trick. And you definitely want to see the third goal of that hat trick because it's so disrespectful. <laughs> it's hilarious. We'll tweet it out after. Also, just a little bit about Brazil. Major props to their social media people. There, Those tweets have been oh, giving yeah. me life all morning. <laughs> Some of them almost kind of look like a, um, <laughs> you know, when like your friends send you those crazy like, group messaging threads with like 17 emojis and they're always bonkers they're like doing the same thing but in the best way possible of just like it's it's giving life uh and they also have really really cool like social media graphics when they're like when the team scores which is it's just fire all around yeah definitely follow follow that brazil account particularly for international tournaments because they they they're on to something and it's it's really fun i enjoyed seeing uh us retweeting a bunch of their tweets because um it was awesome uh, the other match was Australia beating New Zealand two to one. And of course, the big one of the day, the one we're going to spend the rest of this time talking about was Sweden three, the United States zero. This snaps a 44 match unbeaten streak that the United States women's national team was on. This was three nil, could have been four, five, six nil. It was ugly. It was ugly. Um, I think I'm just, we're just going to open it up and talk about it. Um, so Courtney, what you got? Um, well, first I can't lie. I'm still just reeling in the fact that I woke up so early this morning. It was like pitch black in my room when I woke up <laughs> and I was like, Courtney, you must got to get up. I was like, no, I just can't go to the couch. I'm going to stay in bed, which I did. Um, Honestly, this match and it's like, first of all, hats off to Sweden. And I don't want to like necessarily sound surprised because Sweden is a very capable, very good soccer team. Um, and I, you know, remember, for example, what happened in April. But I think what was surprising to me was like just the two ends of the spectrum. Like Sweden played really, really well and fully executed their game plan to almost perfection because, you know, and we'll get into this, but we like there were a few chances where you know, we hit the post and like could have scored. Uh, and then on the full opposite end of the spectrum was just 
how the national team played. Like, and not even talking like tactically, just like no one was on the same page, like sloppy passes. Like it was just like, I don't, I don't, I personally don't remember the last time I've seen the national team play like just like so disjointed. Like at one point I was like, can, can we like pass the ball to each other? Like I remember at the very end, I think um, Megan Rapino got fouled and there was free kick and they tried to play quick and whoever took it just like hit, like weighted the ball way too hard and it just rolled out of bounds. And I was like, if there was ever a moment to sum up this performance, it's this right here. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with that. There was obviously a lot of things that Sweden was doing, but I think the scariest thing to me was that there were a lot of things that the U- the U.S. Women's National Team and Vladko Anonofsky just didn't do. They didn't react. There was almost mm-hmm. no real plan B except for uh, break glass in case of emergency, bring on Julie Ertz and let's see how much she's got left, how much she can be Julie Ertz when she hasn't been Julie Ertz in months because she's been sidelined due to an injury. Obviously, I have no idea how she's doing in training and everything. Clearly, she was good enough to put into this match, but I feel like there were other things that could have been done. So let's let's go ahead and, and let, let's let's talk about it because I think we both are in agreement that the biggest problem that the U.S. Women's National Team had here was they did not sort out what to do with the sixth position. Um, that still shockingly to me, I assumed that Vlatko in the buildup to this was kind of doing a smoke screen or not trying to show all of his cards, you know? So he was persisting with Lindsay Horan in the six and it was kind of like, okay, fine. Maybe once the Olympics come, we'll actually see how the team is really going to play. And when the Olympics came, it was the same. And that was interesting because this is like, this had to be, this is the other thing that gets me. Like this was the match that had to be circled. It was going to be our first, but it was also going to be against our toughest opponent, probably until later stages of knockout rounds, if we make it that far or in the final. So Mm -hmm. this was like going to be our biggest foe and we knew we had to do something. Instead, we did kind of exactly what they were expecting us to do and they made us pay for it. And then we never adjusted to it. And that part, a little bit more than the performances, concerned me because some of the performance, like some of the players out there really didn't even have a chance given the setup, the tactics of it, and the personnel that were, to me, in my opinion, in wrong positions, starting with the six. Yeah. And just with that, and I do want to shout out a few Sweden players that were just (laughs) running a riot. I mean, and it's almost hard to shout out all the players because I thought every player played really well because they just executed their game plan. But specifically, Blackstinius, Aslani. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Aslani, Jakobsen, Gloss was also Mm -hmm. just... I'm like monster. Just, just thinking about Chelsea and the Champions League game. <laughs> um, but I mean, really, I thought they were all playing really well. And I, I mean, I completely agree with the six. And I think, like, we definitely talked about it at least on one podcast. And I think also um, our friends over from Sheba to FC also like we were like Lindsay Rand cannot. Like, she's like she's not going to be the, the full time six, right? Like, yeah, I guess against the level of comp- competition that we're playing in the buildup. Um, Without Julie Ertz, like they could get away with it, but you know, against high quality competition, something that you're gonna get in the Olympics, like we we're like, no, it's not gonna happen. Um, but it did, and it was not pretty. Like, and I mean, a part of that I think comes from Sweden's game plan of just not only overloading the wings. Like, I feel like every time Mewis or 
Haran or even at some points Roosevelt got the ball, there were like four players around them, you know, putting on that high press, cutting off passing lanes, like really like, you know, that game plan worked to perfection. But also I agree the lack of reaction was just a little like really surprising to me, um, especially, you know, when definitely at points I was like, this is it's not going to be pretty. Like it really isn't. And I mean, I think, and I will speak for both of us and please correct me if I'm wrong. Like we thought, yeah, it's a smokescreen. It's going to put Sam at the six. Um, and that just did not happen. And the team was just bossed, honestly, all over the pitch. Like at points, Crystal Dunn, um, even though I know she had like one or two giveaways, was the equivalent of marking three players. And I mean, <laughs> for one player that does that only plays uh, outside back for the national team and covering three players, she like did well considering like the circumstances. Um, and I know I tweeted this out and I noticed this pretty early on of, I noticed they were starting, especially overloading um, that, what the, yeah, that right channel. No, the left channel that, um, you know, Crystal Dunn was playing on. And I was like, someone needs to drop back and help her like quite simply, but it just, uh, it's not pretty. The, especially goals number two and three were just like, Goals, honestly, that shouldn't have happened. You know, the first, what was it, the second one? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. But, or well, I know with at least the third one, you know, Abby Dahlkemper was out of position. Um, and, you know, player like the players on the pitch just hadn't tracked back. And then I can't remember. Oh, and then the second one also just you, you can't leave Blackstonius open on the back post, like quite simply. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was not good overall. And I thought, to me, there was like no backup plan. Because I know when the last time we played Sweden, it was... Um, they played three at the back. This time it was four at the back, you know, and they like, so they changed up tactically, but there was still no backup plan. I think the backup plan was the break glass in case of emergency of putting in Julie Ertz, who I will say once she came on, like, I think the team settled a little bit more um, and played a little bit better. But I don't know. The, to me, there was like, you know, they call the subs game changers and while the subs, for the most part, at least to me, Julie Ertz and Carly Lloyd did well, like, to me, there was no. It was a match, at least for the U.S., that needed a like a spark of individual brilliance, and we saw little bits and pieces of that. But because no one else was on the same page, it was not coming to fruition. Yeah. So about about the, this is kind of the th- the frustrating thing for me, and actually, this is this is why I tweeted that you know <laughs> lessons are being learned because apparently the April lesson was not learned. Like you mentioned, there was a back three that Sweden used, but Sweden did very much the same thing. They tried to overload the wings. They did a lot on the left side, um, which would be our right defensive side, their attacking left side, and really overloaded the wing. Hertig got a, got a goal from that angle as well uh, in that match. She was playing wide left. They were able to get Jana Anderson there, um, who was playing left wing back, um, isolated a lot with, with Kelly O'Hara, and she was just running by her a lot. They were able to overload. They did the same thing, but they just switched it. Mm-hmm. And this is why a lot of people were looking at Crystal Dunn saying she didn't have a great match, whereas what she was doing was really like throwing up red flags to like coaching staff, like what they're doing is putting me in very bad positions. And right. she was having to mark two, three players at one time and with all of them running at her and going in different directions. It's very hard to do. There were a couple times, I think, where she, not not I think, but there were a couple times where she got, where she made brilliant recovery runs and made brilliant recovery tackles from behind that ended up saving goals. I think mm-hmm. she at least, at least 
at least saved one goal, maybe two, because both of those were really 1v1 situations. And I think Nair maybe wouldn't have had a great shot at either of them, but you at least split the difference and say, fine, she at least saved one. Mm -hmm. But, But I think those are the moments where you look at it tactically and you're like, if this is something that is continuing to happen, what's wrong? What's the problem? Who isn't tracking another runner? Who do I need to get over there to help? What do we need to do to give more balance to cope with these overloads? Because you can't just keep letting that happen. And they did. And you brought up the third goal. I urge you, (laughs) I urge everyone to go and rewatch that third goal because Sweden was had done this so comfortably that they did they did it so effortlessly and it was such a basic move but if you watch the the US women's national team's response to it it's awful they were two players they both ran in crystal dunn dunn stopped one and they knocked the ball were, were able to knock the ball in the space behind because nobody else was there Megan Rampino was on the on the pitch at that time. She didn't continue running, tracking her runner back. She just stopped, I think, at, at basically the, the halfway, the, the center line, and stopped. Lindsay Horan, no idea where she was. She was just kind of trotting around out there on the left because by that time she'd been pushed over to the left because Julie Ertz was, in, was playing the six, and nobody was there. And so Becky Sauerbrunn had to decide, okay, am I going to go out here and play left back or not? So she went and tried to get a little bit of pressure, but the cross was able to come in. And then Abby Dahlkember just kind of gets caught underneath the ball. And um, Hertig was right in front of Kelly O'Hara. And Hertig's going to win that aerial duel 100 times out of 100. (laughs) Right. So, like, it was just like a breakdown like that was so indicative to me of, like, what was so wrong in the match. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think it got a little bit better when Julie Ertz came on. But the team was still very disjointed. And this is why I think he paid... I keep saying that I'm frustrated because we we don't seem to be learning lessons mm-hmm. because the lesson of Sweden in April was that was like this is how this team's going to attack you you need to have something to, to do with it you need to have something to counter it Aslani did a fantastic job just completely she was, just she, was. she was just completely in Haran's head completely smothering her cutting her out not allowing her to move and get on the ball and Haran just kind of let that happen she didn't do too many other things to counteract that which is the responsibility of a six. That's why mm-hmm. I think Sam Mewis should have played because Sam Mewis, at the very least, could have used, used her body to position a little differently to still make herself an outlet instead of being completely marked out of the match because you can't move if you rely on your six to distribute the ball. You can't link any sort of play when your six gets marked like that. And that's exactly what happened. And so the other, the other I think um, the, the other problem was... We were saved, and we mentioned this on, on another pod, we were saved from naming, in my opinion, wrong players as alternates and taking the 18 players who didn't have a whole lot of um, variance or differentiation in how they play. Like There weren't a whole lot of characteristic differences in the 18 that we selected. And so we were going to be reliant on alternates seeing if they could even get on, which of course you need an injury or something, which nobody really wanted. Mm-hmm. Obviously that changed. And now you have full, mem- full um, there, everybody was a full member of the squad. So that meant that a mistake was already made up for that we didn't have anything to do with. And then we still didn't do anything about it. And yeah, I said we, cause I'm, I'm, I'm from this country. I'm from the U S <laughs> and I do support that t- the U S women's national team, but I want to see them make better decisions. 
And this was a match where Lynn Williams would have been so helpful because at the very least, you have her her job. And Flacco has said this before, her, she is really good at pressing. And I know mm-hmm. you want to save players' legs and everything, but what Sweden was doing, you need somebody to pin back their fullback so that they can't they can't commit that many players forward to overload one player, in which mm-hmm. they were trying to overload Crystal Dunn the majority of the match and did. And I think you also needed somebody like Katarina Macario possibly playing the number nine, almost as a false nine. I know he yanked off uh, Alex Morgan at half and put on Carly Lloyd. And it was almost like too like for like, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Morgan had a pretty bad match, I think. She missed that one header that that uh, Kristen Press put right on her forehead and she was unmarked and just completely didn't hit the target for some reason. Um, and that, I think that was really her only thing. Carly Lloyd played a little bit better, but I think you really needed like Katarina Macario in there to like drop a little deeper and then have Kristen Press and Lynn Williams running off of that, running ahead of her to try to unsettle and push back that Sweden defensive line. And that never happened because we didn't have the personnel to make that happen because we didn't put them on the bench. (laughs) So like learn the lessons, please. I'm begging you. Yeah. And one thing that I've been thinking about as well is I was thinking about that beautiful team goal that did not count, but it counts in my heart against Mexico. And I was like, wow, this is such a nice team goal. And I saw instances of that today. But then I also kind of thought about going back to like the need for individual brilliance. Is it too much that like sometimes you just kind of need to let the players play? Like, you know, if it's quite clear the plan plan A is not working. So like is, you know, and with plan B, is it finding ways to get you know, the best out of players. Like we have players that are great one-on-one. Like Roosevelt literally loves nutmegging people all over the place. And it's hilarious. And I enjoy it as everyone does. But so is, you know, Tobin is also great at that. (laughs) Christian Press, like all these players are good one-on-one. And this match was clearly calling out for a moment of individual brilliance. So sometimes I like think about, you know, the, the difference between like, fitting into a system versus trying to get the best out of your players. And I feel like some games, the system really works, like what we saw, you know, against Mexico. But then there also has to be times where if your plan is not working and your plan B, because I mean, at one point, I think I did see Vlaco look like he was giving out a lot of instructions during the first water break. So it's like, maybe he was, that was like already plan B trying to, you know, take hold, but that also still wasn't working. So then it's like, okay, should we just try to shift to something that will get the best out of our players so they start playing better? Yeah, you know, I completely agree with that. It's, you know, this is this is kind of the thing with the U.S. Women's National Team right now is that, yes, top to bottom, they're still the most talented pool of players out, straight up, top to bottom. But the margins are a lot smaller. They've been shrinking, but they're a lot smaller down there. And they're to a point where the margins are small enough to where if you don't get your lineup right, if you don't get your tactics right, a team like Sweden can straight up dismantle you. And we haven't really seen that too many times recently. And I think it's it's difficult because in the past, you would be able to kind of rely on those individual performances and be like, okay, Roosevelt's going to mess around and go on like a 30, 40 yard run and score a banger. Or, you know, somebody, Kristen Press is going to be able to get it, get the ball, pick up the ball in a little pocket and from 20, 25 yards out, hit a banger. And I think that now you have to be a lot more intentional about what you're doing. 
And I'm not saying that Blacko hasn't been, but it's like super important now because the margins are so much smaller. Like this can happen. This will happen if you don't like get everything right. And this is kind of why back, you know, not to harp on it, but this is kind of why when we when we talked about the lineup selections, you know, and, and the Olympic alternates versus the full squad and all of that, this is why we made such a big deal about it. One, because the players deserved it. Uh, like Lynn didn't deserve to be an alternate player. She deserved to be a full member of the squad. She is a full member of the squad now, but you st- you got to use them. You got to use the players as they as you need to. And in a match like this, you can't tell me that like Lynn, Katarina Macario, Midge Purse wouldn't have changed this match. I mean, obviously the issues of midfield needed to be worked out first. Like that's that's also like that's probably like priority number one. But in terms of the attack not firing, you have you just have to make sure that you get it right. And when and we are versatile enough and deep enough to be able to get it right. Um, like no matter what the tactics are, we can get it, we can find ways to get it right because we have a really deep pool of players and players who do different things. You just need to make sure that the things that they do are are you you set them up to be able to do the things that they do and you have to be able to recognize when you're gonna need this player to do this particular thing. And we didn't have that today. Yeah, and I, one thing that I was thinking as well to go off that is just like general personnel. I mean, I know we've said that Mitch should be at the Olympics, but I was just thinking about like a like, and I completely agree. Like Lynn, Lynn would have really benefited from this match, not only in the fact that she quite simply, like you know, in the NWSL wasn't a really good run of form, and I know that doesn't always translate to you know national team games, but I felt like in her past matches in the NWSL, once she was like once they made the decision, she just played so much more freely. Um, and, you know, kind of in the, the way that Aslani was in Lindsay Hrant's head, I feel like Lynn would have just been, you know, like Lynn wouldn't have been in her own head and like done the things of not only just pressing, but also like trying to either like, I mean, I know I'm not 100% sure if this would have really happened because it seemed like all of the national team players were just on different pages. But she's just even simple things of like, trying to get a break and stretch the back line or doing something like that um, in the same way that Sweden was definitely doing to our back line. Um, but also just thinking about like <laughs> the, like the matches that we watched this past week in the NWSL and just being like, yeah, those players, like the U.S. brought who did, who they decided to bring. But if those small personnel things were, Hey, like Lindsay Rand is not playing well at the six. Let's say we don't want to risk Julie Ertz. And I will say when she came in, I was like, oh, she's a lot fitter than I kind of thought she was. Um, But at one point I thought there was just no, or sorry to finish that point of like bringing on like a proper number, like a proper number six, someone who plays this position all the time, being able to have that depth on your bench. But also the thing. Would you be talking about one Andy Sullivan? I always stand I always stand in Andy <laughs> Sullivan. Um, she, she's played so phenomenally the past three Washington Spirit matches. But also, there was a moment where I was just like, there is no, there's no shape. Like, and this is something, and like my brain just always picks up on this. And no matter what soccer match I watch of, when you do not have the ball and you, and expect, like when you don't have the ball, it's, let's say around ha- like the halfway point, where are your players? Are they in any sort of defensive shape? And I saw none of that today. <laughs> I really like at some points I saw it a little bit on the back line, but also the problem with that, and I know that um, no one on the back line played particularly well today, but it's also, for example, you know, it's so hard to play like that when 
at some points your midfield is has as many holes as a block of Swiss, Swiss cheese. Like there, I just saw no shape. I saw no, and I also saw, I mean, I know I've said this, but just no co- cohesion either. And it was just like, I think it's one thing to say that the team that you are playing against is playing so well and kind of rattling you. And I feel like that's half the truth, but the other half of the truth was that those kind of basic fundamentals also did not come from this U.S. side today. Yeah, it was really uncharacteristic. The team looked shook, and that was wild to watch. That was wild to see. There was also like like I'm I'm still like I'm I'm a big fan of Vlatko. I really think he's tactically very good. I do not understand not being prepared for this match. I would love to like be a fly on the wall and like go back and and listen to all of the preparations and build up. I think maybe um, Sweden just executed so well that it threw everything off. But I don't necessarily understand how this couldn't have been anticipated. Um, I'm not a coach. I could have told you that Sweden was going to try and get Hannah Glass up there to to deliver crosses in um, and try to isolate her on that wing because she's so good at that. Tore Chelsea apart with that. And every time she plays, that's that's what they try to do. And particularly against the U.S. because it it typically works. Um but you can't, it's hard to get through that midfield centrally, particularly when Julie Ertz is playing. And so like, it was just, it was just confusing. Like, that's the thing for me is I, I was just so confused about why the team looks so unprepared. And that's why I was like, kind of just wait, like, I was just kind of waiting through all the pre-Olympics matches. Like, okay, fine. You know, I don't really, I don't love Lindsay Horan at the six. I think Andy Sullivan should be on the Olympic team. Like I have all these thoughts and I'm and frustrations about what's going on, but okay, I don't see training. I don't know what their game plan is. I'm just going to wait and see what happens, you know, in the first match, because we'll be able to tell what's going on in the first match. Because if it's not right, Sweden has a real chance to like do some damage three nil later <laughs> and <laughs> this performance later and Lindsay Horan still at the six and they didn't even, tr- he didn't even try to put Sam to flop him, just put Sam Mewis at the six just to see before you even make a sub. You can see in the first like 20 minutes of the match that it's not working. So just just switch switch it and see what Sam Mewis does in the sixth versus what Lindsay Horan does. That never was an option. And so the option was help Julie Ertz. And sure, helped a little bit, but you also had a problem in the attack because you didn't you weren't able to get, you know, the ball carried through midfield the way we normally attack. So like the only silver lining I see is that it was the first match. It should be the most difficult match that the, the U.S. Women's National Team has to play for a while. And if you're going to have a performance like this, have a performance like this when you have other games to play. And there are two other matches to play. Um, this wasn't a knockout match. Imagine, imagine if the U.S. Women's National Team now had lost that and had to go home, was out of the tournament. Oh, like gosh. the discourse... <laughs> <laughs> would just be unbearable. As it is, it's unbearable right now. But like they'll play again in a, in a couple of days, I believe Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time uh, against Australia. Is that Australia or New Zealand? Uh, I'm know. pretty sure we play New Zealand. Um, okay. And luckily, it's a late kickoff for, <laughs> for what it is. Uh, but yeah, let me quickly double check. I'm 97% sure it is. New Zealand, but um, yeah, you're right. It's the 24th, so yeah, that's Saturday. That's New Zealand, and yes, what is that? 7:30. Yep. 
a.m. Eastern time. Lovely. I get to sleep in a little bit. That 4.30, that 4.22 alarm was brutal. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a mess. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, I mean, it's going to hopefully lessons will be learned. And like, I don't know. It, I Yeah, it's just like the, I don't know. I'm thinking about a particular NWSL player who would have just eaten up bits of this match, even through the hard, the, you know, the really high press. She sometimes just has a way of like wiggling out around players. Um, her first name is Margaret. That the last NDU, at NWSL broadcast would only call her Margaret. <laughs> and yeah, just, um, I don't know. I'm like, the one thing I also keep thinking about is in our last podcast where I was like, Sweden's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. And they just really did. Like, it just, it happened. Yeah. And I was like, yikes. Just <laughs> yikes between their game plan and then the actual team performance. And how are you not prepared for that? That's what I don't understand. So I will be, I'm, I'm so interested in the reaction now. Like, how are they going to turn this around? What are they going to do? Obviously, you know, they got New Zealand and then Australia. So I expect the team to look very different. Honestly, even if they run out the same personnel and tactics, they still should be good enough on paper to beat both of those teams. So we'll see. But I really do hope for the knockout rounds that we see something a lot better than what we saw today. Because today could have been avoided. It wasn't. So we'll see what's next. Uh, before we wrap up, did you have any any last words you wanted to say? Any, anything else you wanted to say to eulogize this terrible performance so we can lay it to rest and move on? Um, the last thing I actually do want to say is don't threaten these players with death threats. Like, I can't believe I have to say that or that that should be said. But it's like, okay, you went 44 matches unbeaten and then you got boss today on the pitch but if you see something like that and think let me go either abuse or threaten a player like don't do it i like i can't even i almost can't even speak because i'm so baffled that someone like people would go do that but don't do it don't be terrible yeah i i second that um yeah soccer twitter is always crazy Women's soccer Twitter has some ele- a lot of elements to that as well. Obviously, we have the additional uh, aspect of conservatives who love America so much they hate America. Um, so since that's, they kneeled, th- yeah. So that that's something that's happening as well. So there's it's just a it's just it's garbage. Uh, stay away from that. Stay to the good places. Um, definitely check us out. Check out other podcasts. I think Attacking Third, Shea Butter FC. Um, you know, there's a few other podcasts out there, obviously full time with Meg Linehan. Um, there's a, there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of good Twitter accounts, you know, we're going to be retweeting a lot and showing a lot. So like, that's, that's the way to do it. That's who you want to pay attention to and what you want to listen to. If you see something terrible, obviously, you know, do the right thing, block report, do that thing. You don't really even need to waste your energy engaging, um, unless you've got plenty of energy to give or want to let off some steam, go for it. But <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, it's a bad place after, especially after a loss like this. And uh, a lot of people who don't know or care much about the sport, um, have a lot of opinions that are just flat out wrong. So part of the reason why we exist. So that's that. Uh, we will be back to talk about more games as they happen. 
But uh, I think this is it. We're going to put a wrap on it and let this be our match day one recap. Hopefully, we don't have to be this angry next time. <laughs> Let's just, learn like, the lessons. Confused. <laughs> right? We're just deeply confused. Like, what are we? I don't want to say what are we doing because I think about uh, one of our quote unquote favorite sarcasm uh, <laughs> soccer commentators who has that famous clip of what are we doing? Uh, but I did feel a little bit about that after this match just of, hey, hey guys, we need a, need a backup plan. So let's create more backup plans. <laughs> and have a good first plan too. Like let, let's have a <laughs> let's have a plan A that makes sense. Let's have that. Uh yeah, let's learn the lessons, I think is our is our ultimate takeaway. Please learn your lessons. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Hopefully, when lessons have been learned. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.